Let me introduce you. Let me introduce you. Welcome to Let Me Introduce You, a film and friends podcast where three dear friends who've known each other for almost two decades uh, talk about their favorites. However, sometimes our uh, tastes diverge quite a bit, and so uh, each week we introduce one another to our favorites from our past. This week we are starting a brand new theme, our last theme of our third season. Very exciting. Before we get to that, who are you talking to? My name's Graham, and I'm here with Ashley. Hey, y'all. And Katie. Hello. 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 Cheerio. I would do that. I would totally do it. But we then I will lose, screw it up eventually. We would lose every single person that <laughs> listens to our podcast. I would start to like just like turning into Australian or just like, what is that? What I is that know. accent? And I'd be like, I don't know. I I think that I have a really amazing British accent and I did it in front of a Brit. And they're like, you sound so stupid. <laughs> and I go, OK, well, thank you. <laughs> so, OK, I'm going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> because because it's very posh accents in this movie today. But we yes. are going to start our, our last theme of this amazing season that we've had, and it is Sequel Sensation. Ooh. Yeah. Sequel Sensation. So, yeah, we're talking about movie sequels uh, for the next three episodes. And, and you know, this week is, is a biggie for, for me. Um, if you've listened to this podcast this season, you know I've probably brought it up. Every, every single episode. episode. Yeah, every episode. Yeah. In which it should be a part of everyone's conversations every day. We are going to journey to the wonderful world created by our, our friend Paddington in the gorgeous film Paddington 2 today on Let Me Introduce You. Um, I'm so tickled to talk about this. Are you guys excited? Are you tickled pink? Are you tickled pink? Oh, if you watch the movie, you know. Wait, uh, what did what did what did Hugh Grant say? I, I'm tickled shrimp. He he like he said he oh, called God. himself shrimp. Yes. Anyway. Yes. So um, this is, of course, the second in uh, what will now be a three film series. Ooh. Yes, there is a third film in development. Um, it is obviously based on the books Paddington Bear by Michael Bond. The books began in 1958. I mean, we all know who Paddington is. This this wonderful bear from the deepest, darkest Peru who ends up in London living with a delightful family and gets in a lot of misadventures. Uh, the first film came out in 2014 and was directed by Paul King and written by uh, himself and Simon Farnaby, who actually has a role in this film. And, and that was a pretty big hit. came out about $80 million domestically it made. had Nicole Kidman in it. Mm. Which who played the villainess who wanted to Ooh. to capture Paddington and stuff him? Um, <gasps> oh no! Right, right. I Why know. would you, you ever want to kill a talking bear? I know. No, I've so, never seen that one. So this one came out a couple years later uh, and, and uh, premiered in London in the United Kingdom in November of 2017. Opened in America in January of 2018. Here it made about forty million dollars, and it's a forty million dollar budgeted film. Though the film looks very expensive. It really does. Yes. Right? Um, And ultimately, uh, it made about 
$230 million worldwide. Oh, wow. So while it didn't make a lot of money here, it did make a lot of money, especially in the United Kingdom. And if, if you've seen Paddington 2, you, you know and you love it and you want to convince people to watch it. It's been kind of this internet thing of people like, no, actually, like Paddington 2 is wonderful and people are like okay no you two are guilty of this when i brought it up on our nine months i mean because like why would someone be like paddington 2 is you know what did it say right none of us none of us are children or have children so i'm actually very surprised graham why you decided to watch this in the first place you know what i'm actually not surprised that graham would watch something like this (laughs) i feel like it relates to his love of like Muppets and puppets, and it's like, oh, a bear. There's something you have, Graham, you have this, um, like, unfettered childlike delight that just lives within you. And so, That's such a good way to describe it. Right? And so I just see you being attracted to things that help grow that yes. and tap into it. When, when this came out, I kept hearing, oh, no, it's, it's a masterpiece. It's brilliant. And it had 100% on Rotten Tomatoes for years. It was, like, the highest rated... Uh, film on Rotten Tomatoes for years at 100%. And people are like, excuse me? What? Paddington 2? So I missed it when it was in theaters, and I finally saw it at home. And I remember just watching it and being so tickled by it and for for a number of different reasons that I'll go to later after we hear your thoughts on it. Um, But this was not, like, I'm not... The the audience wasn't just the only people that loved it. Critics loved Mm -hmm. it. and, And it was nominated for... Several awards, specifically Hugh Grant, who got nominated for 13 separate awards for Best Supporting Actor, including the BAFTA. Oh, okay. As, and this film also had the Best Adapted Screenplay and Best British Film was nominated at the BAFTA. Wow. wow. Losing to that dumpster fire of three billboards outside Ebbing. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> um, so It makes me mad when, like... A- Lighthearted shit doesn't win when you have really well. Right. It's like no, this is a serious subject. It's like yeah. why do serious films? So yeah, why? Absolutely, and I will definitely get into like why this is such an important film, especially today. But um, this definitely has created a bit of a legacy for itself in the past couple of years, where, where people are discovering it now, and it's taken on kind of like a world of its own beyond the the first film, which is still really really good. Um, but this, I feel like, takes it. In, in an entirely different direction. So before we get into your thoughts on this, Katie, you just watched it like 15 minutes ago. That's correct. So it's it's what we call fresh. It's, it's, it's fresh, fresh. So like a fresh jar of of marmalade. <laughs> yes, yes, that's correct. Yes. Because I just finished watching it like 15 minutes ago, I didn't do my classic where I write my synopsis. <gasps> wing it. So wing, it, it, wing it. Wing I, I'm going to wing it because, uh, yeah, I didn't, have time, I didn't have time to write it. So I will do my best. Hopefully this will not be meandering. But please allow me to bring you into the charmingly disarming world of Paddington 2. Uh, so but let me also preface two things. One, I've never seen Paddington 1. Uh, so I don't know if any of this picks up on any threads or anything like that from the first movie. I'm assuming some of them do. And two, when I sat down to watch the film this morning, I had a, gla- uh, a cup of tea and uh, my my um, English muffin toast with some marmalade jam on it. So I mean, you were you were having the 360 experience. I'm in. You did you did it right. I'm in. Well done. So um, the film starts with uh, two two bears who you later learn are the the aunt and uncle 
for uh, Paddington. And they're sitting on a bridge in Peru and they're eating marmalade sandwiches. And uh, way below them is a a raging river. And they're talking about their plans to travel to London. And in the river, they see a tiny little cub bear. And he is, you know, he's he's struggling. He's going to drown and he's approaching a waterfall. So the ant bear descends down and rescues him and they decide to raise him as their own cub, which is adorable and very cute. So then we flash forward to Paddington Bear now living with the Brown family in London. And we're just establishing not only how much he is a part of this new family, but how much he is a part of his community. So he he basically, and this is something that the film goes into, he looks for the good in everybody, so he makes friends extremely easily. Everyone knows him. Everyone, you know, identifies him with him. Not everybody likes him, which is fine, but, you know, he he's kind to everyone. So, you know, in, in Paddington's every day, he knows that his Aunt Lucy's 100th bear birthday is coming up and he wants to get her an extremely meaningful gift because she she took him in and she raised him as her own cub and uh she has never been to london she always wanted to go she never went she sent paddington so he goes into an antique store and he finds this pop-up book about london and the pop-up book uh was created by this woman who owned a circus and it's got all of these London landmarks in it. And Paddington's like, this is the most perfect book ever because she will never be here. And then we go into a lovely scene with, uh, with the pop-up book, which I hope we'll talk about later. So anyway, Paddington's like, this is my gift. I want to buy for my Aunt Lucy. But it's a lot of money. So Paddington must raise the money to buy this gift. So he goes about doing a series of jobs. He works <laughs> as a barber. He works as a window washer. He basically does everything he can to try to make this money up. While he's doing this, he and his family go to a circus. And the circus is, you know, the, the one that connected to the pop-up book. And they see an actor there. And uh, this actor, who I, uh, is played by Hugh Grant, Phoenix something. Um, Buchanan. Buchanan, yes. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's opening the circus. And Phoenix Buchanan brings Paddington up on stage and asks him, what is the one thing you want in the world? And Paddington says, I want to raise the money to get my aunt this book. It's this pop-up book. And he tells, he tells Phoenix all about it. And uh, Phoenix hatches a little plan. Um, mm. So then later, we see Paddington is one day away from purchasing the book. He's, he's ogling the book through the antique store window. And he sees uh, someone break in. And it's this, like, old, like, very, like, disheveled person breaking in stealing the book and Paddington runs after him and tries to stop him and um, the uh, Paddington's chasing this burglar down the street and the burglar disappears in a puff of smoke and the police catch Paddington because they think he was the one who broke mm-hmm. into the antique store no, Paddington. so, so I know sad. so well in in a, uh, a severe case of, of misjustice because there is no evidence um, <laughs> it's true. Paddington is is sentenced to jail, so he is sent to prison. Which, when you think about it, it's a tiny little bear in prison. But in true Paddington fashion, he goes to make friends. He goes to see the best in everybody. He takes the the little spark of wonder that is him and and spreads it to everybody. So he makes friends by um, teaching the chef to make 
marmalade sandwiches for everybody. And he just transforms whatever neighbor, whatever environment he's in. He makes friends and he transforms it into a better place. But his friends in jail keep saying that his family's going to forget about him. Nobody's going to care. They say they will, but eventually the family's going to forget. They're not going to try to free him. They're not going to try to find the actual burglar. Um, and the family, meanwhile, is trying to hunt down, you know, whoever stole the book. And uh, they keep getting these hits that, like, a nun tried to break into to a... Um, St. Paul's Cathedral. St. Paul's Cathedral. And, like, there was a, you know, a priest and there was a king and all these other things. You find out Hugh Grant needs this book because there are clues to a treasure in it. So he needs to find out all of these clues which are in the book to find this treasure to fund his own one-man show. So Paddington's family, the Browns, are trying to solve this murder. They finally, or not murder, trying to solve the... Uh, <laughs> That's a murder in, murder I in know, Paddington, the, too. The murder in Paddington, too. <laughs> this is the um, Arby version. Yes. Uh, well, it, it gets pretty serious. Uh, so the, the family finally figures out that Hugh Grant is behind everything, and on that day they realize they forgot to visit Paddington. And Paddington, meanwhile, thinks that the family has started to forget him. Mm. He's so, so sad. It's extremely sad. So, um, yeah, there were a couple really sad moments. That's not the saddest. Uh, I'm going to get to that in a sec. I know what you're talking yes. about already. Yep. <laughs> um, so Paddington's friends in jail are like, let's all break out and we'll clear your name. And even though Paddington knows it's wrong, he's like, well, these are my friends. I'm going to... Let's do it. Let's let's break out. You know, my family's forgotten me. I have no one else to help me clear my name at this point. So they break out of jail, and the friends lied to him. Knuckles. So, Knuckles Bren lied Bren to him. Brendan Gleeson. Oh, uh, Knuckles. So uh, they actually just needed Paddington to help them break out of jail, but they're not going to actually help him. So Paddington's wandering around London by himself. He calls the Browns, and nobody answers. And he's at, he's at his very lowest when... The family calls him back on a, on a phone, and they tell him everything that's going on. They tell him uh, that Phoenix has been behind everything, and uh, they figure out the last part of the clue, where the treasure is hidden. It's on the circus train that's departing Paddington Station right now. So everybody runs to Paddington Station, and uh, a big like pursuit engages where uh, Paddington has to get the book back from Hugh Grant. And the rest of the family stole another steam train to help them. So, you know, big, big fight. During the whole fight, it seems like Hugh Grant has won. He found where the treasure is. He has the book. And he locks Paddington in uh, the caboose of a train and launches the caboose off into a river. Um, so uh, Paddington is stuck in this caboose that is now underwater. He's quickly drowning. And Ugh. so... Uh, his mother, or, or Mrs. Brown, Mrs. Brown. Um, mm. jumps into the water to save him. And she gets all the way down there at the bottom of this water, and they realize the door is locked on the caboose and that have this moment where Paddington is going to die. They actually yeah. have a moment where they're like, no, that we can't do anything. This is it. You're going to die. Mm -hmm. Which is devastating devastating yeah i was like oh my god even though i know what happens i'm like oh what's gonna happen i i didn't know and i was like i you're actually putting this in a children's movie this is insane uh but then his friends from jail uh they they have turned back so they jump under the water they break the door open and they save paddington um and at the end of the movie 
you realize that um, uh, Phoenix, Mr. Hugh Grant, uh, is now in jail. He's been put in jail for his crimes. Even though the book had to go into evidence, he could never get a gift for his Aunt Lucy, the entire community rallied together and flew Lucy to London. And it is a wonderful, wonderful ending. Um, and, and that's it. Until the, the post credit scene where you realize that Hugh Grant in jail has now decided to put on his one-man show in, uh, in prison. And and so everyone kind of got what they wanted. Yeah, he finally has a captive audience. <laughs> he that does. Was so funny. <laughs> so that's very that's good, Katie. Too. I'm sorry if it was rambling. I was trying to get everything. Yeah, that's a lot, and you got everything in. So amazing. Wait, uh, of course, once again, Ashley, she she one ups us by winging it. I know, right? Little detail. Right? <laughs> Yay! I did it. <laughs> um, that's amazing, Katie. Well, um, we'll give you a break from talking. Oh, thank that was, you. That was a lot. <laughs> so, Ashley. Tell us what your thoughts. So I guess one thing I want to add is, is Katie, you're like watching this versus the the first one. There's not much that that is carried over, um, with the exception of you find out that the uncle, um, in, in the first one, the, the bear uncle is is actually killed. Oh, um, okay. So and that's yeah. So that is just the one thing to know about from the first one to the second. So there one. was a murder. Um, there was yes, but um, Ashley. What were your thoughts? So first off, as Katie was talking, we were talking about how it was Lucy's 100th bear um, birthday. I legitimately just looked up like, what is the human to bear uh, ratio? <laughs> it's two years. So it was 50, oh, so 50. 50 human years, 100, oh. 100 bear years. Um, I don't know why I find that fascinating. That's interesting. I didn't know. Yeah. So we actually rented this from our local video stores, which are also uh, a dying a dying breed of their own. And I cannot remember which adjective they used, but they called it a delight. And I was like, oh. And then since I had my brother's kids over last night, I was explaining our phrase of calling things a goddamn delight. Right. And I talked about how... Graham, you have talked repeatedly ad nauseum about how <gasps> Hugh Grant deserves an Oscar for his performance. So I will say this movie was a goddamn delight. <laughs> I liked it a lot. I really enjoyed it. It was really playful and fun, but had some suspense. Um, I loved seeing how... Paddington just had such a positive impact on his community and his little neighborhood and how even when he was put in prison, he was able to bring out bring out the best um, in others, which is totally an Aunt Lucy line. Um, but I can't remember exactly what he says. Yeah, I just I really enjoyed it. It was so much fun. It was exactly what I needed. I needed just something super fun and lighthearted. And at the end of the movie, Bob looks over to me and he says, tell Graham he was 100% right. <laughs> Thank God. I always because I have I have uh, made you watch some films that um, he did not like. So <laughs> I feel like I won him over this time. Yeah, it was, you know, like at first I was just like, Really, Hugh? But when I think about the work that has to go into, you know, so for so much of Hugh Grant, he has this attic, which I thought was so funny that Mrs. Brown was like, it's a secret room. Mr. Brown says, it's an attic. She's like, that's a secret attic. It's like, no, it's just an attic. 
That was funny, funny. yeah. There are so many cute, like, little jokes that would be... What I love about kids' movies that are done well is that there are some really obvious jokes for kids, right, that are just really on the surface. And then there are other jokes for adults or wordplay. So, like, the idea of, like, all I needed was a captive audience. Um, Just (laughs) things like that. So good. But, yeah, so when, you know, we see this throughout the film and then when they go into the secret attic, you see how many different characters um, Phoenix has played and... Seeing Hugh Grant just seamlessly jump between each of those characters and the different accents. At first I was like, is that really that hard? And then I thought about it and I was like, yeah, to truly embody that and to make it believable, he did really well. And obviously, you know, editing helps with that. But if you don't have good acting, then you there's only so much you can do in editing, which I discovered all too well when we were editing our our final film and, you know, bless our student actors' hearts, right? Um, we weren't really giving them the best direction, but it is really hard. And with this film, everything is so, it is so wonderful. And it's both like sad and wonderful to see once Paddington is removed, to see all the little pieces that are kind of falling apart in his neighborhood about how his one neighbor gets really cranky when she hasn't had breakfast because Paddington would bring her food, you know, or the neighbor who is just chronically forgetting his keys and locking himself out and (sighs) the really grumpy colonel who, when Paddington was trying to earn money, was like, I'm not going to pay you for that. And he's like, I'll just do it anyways, you know, and sparking the love story between the colonel and the news agent and... I just thought it was super sweet. I really liked it. Yeah. Great. Thank you, Ashley. Katie. Well, I too thought it was lovely. Uh, I don't I feel like if you if you don't enjoy this movie or have something have an overall ne- negative experience with it, I'm like, what what inside you is dead? What <laughs> yep. what inside you has died? Who hurt you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, who you? I don't. Yeah, the one that now has one bad review on on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, and who see, the fuck is that asshole? Just someone who, who wanted, wanted to, to be the guy. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, it was like like I started my review. This is this is completely disarming, extremely enchanting. Um, it was charming, and you know because there's there's a you know there's been a few movies that really at their core have a character who is a hundred percent like good natured and and even though they don't always make the best decisions uh they they always you know they always have like the good things at at heart and so i i don't know i thought it was it was really adorable um yeah the story was fun uh it was visually very beautiful it was it was gorgeous like the whole pop up book mm-hmm. scene where oh in his my imagination God. So he's inventive. He, yeah, he's taking his his he's imagining buying the book and using it as a london tour guide for his aunt uh lucy and it, it they basically go into the pop up book and it's it's adorable and and very very cool to watch um i like that i i as someone who i love seeing my favorite british actors in different things oh my god there were so many of them there's so many there's a lot of the times where i'm like i know you i know you i love you where do i know you from like even even the even something as silly as the the judge who paddington buzzes their hair off yeah i know that person uh, in a very random way, um, he played uh, Emily's father on Friends. And oh. oh my god, I just watched that episode. 
<laughs> so this is Tom Conti. Yeah, it's funny because yeah. I'm, I'm watching and I'm like, where do I know you from? I know you from somewhere. Where do I know you from? And I'm like, oh gosh, he plays Emily's father from season yes. season four of Friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's lots of like like there's there's Jessica Haynes from from Spaced, who mm-hmm. I also love, love, love. Um, so that was that was something enjoyable. But um, also, I I did want to say my favorite line in the whole movie was uh, when and also you got the you've got the woman uh, from Absolutely Fabulous who's, who's Joanna Lumley I love love her yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it's very funny because I'm never used to not seeing her without a cigarette so when she's in yeah. the room I'm like you need the cigarette in your hand um <laughs> But when uh, they the kids play a joke and use her recording to to get Hugh Grant out of his house, and she says nice buns, and he says, "Oh, thank thank you, darling. I've never had any complaints about Mister and Mrs. Body Cheek." Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "You've named your butt. That's great." Anyway, it was great. I loved it. Oh, awesome! Yay! Okay, yay! This is a rarity where all three of us love it. So. Um, yeah, I watching it again. I so last night I had the one-two punch of watching Turning Red. <gasps> oh my god, oh, I haven't this. watched it yet, and I've heard such good things. So yeah, I watched the one-two punch of just Turning Red and and Paddington Two, and I uh, I just had this delightfully emotionally wonderful. <laughs> you know, you know, I love emotion. Yeah, you know, yes. I love feeling. Things. No, no, not you. So that's a total shock. So there, I read a couple reviews to remind myself what people were saying, and and one that jumped out at me was someone said there are feel good movies mm. this is a feel terrific movie. <laughs> oh yes and i i feel so good after watching this movie um i like at the very end when aunt lucy shows up and it's this beautiful score and he hugs her and he says happy birthday aunt lucy like i get very emotional thinking about that because you have again we've mentioned like he is just a character that exudes goodness and looks at people in 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 the best way and the world sucks <laughs> and sometimes it's just a good reminder to to have that Paddington mindset at times um and and yeah, the whole thing about community in this film is so important. I think that's something that, like, we all, like, I strive to have a good community. And, like, I feel like, oh, my, am I Paddington? You know? <laughs> um, I feel like you are the Paddington of the three of us. I am the Paddington. You are the Paddington. I'm actually thinking about how I can be Paddington for Halloween this year. Maybe a sexy Paddington. Um, weird. <laughs> so, a little... Paddington, 20 well, years later. I'm gay. Um, <laughs> but that, in and of itself... This film is visually beautiful oh, yes. in every single scene. And I mentioned earlier, this cost $40 million to make. It looks better than most films that are made these days that have a budget of 200 or $300 million. Mm-hmm. It looks infinitely better. Because while there are definitely like green screens and whatnot, like you can tell these are actual sets yeah. that people put their heart and souls into. And... On top of that, the inventiveness of, as we mentioned, um, the the pop-up book and the mm-hmm. ways of showing there was random bits of, of animation in there as mm-hmm. well because um, one of the characters, the the mother of the house, Sally Hawkins, who plays Mary Brown, she's an art, she's a she's an illustrator, so they show certain um, ways of, of illustrating um, in the film, and then um, the how it, at the beginning it set up a lot of things at the end that happens like with Henry Brown the dad doing yoga and they showed him doing yoga on the train to like you know save save everybody and Mary Brown she was training to be 
I swim across the, the English Channel, and she swam to save Paddington. Just like all these really good callbacks that happened in it. Um, so, and again, Hugh Grant is so good in this. I read an article where he says it's the best thing he's ever done. <gasps> it's, it's the best movie he's ever been in. And when he was at the Golden Globes in 2018, before it had been released in America, he was introduced as, oh, from the upcoming Paddington 2, Hugh Grant. And he said, later I saw people online making fun of it because, oh, how, how low Hugh Grant has gone to that he's starring in Paddington 2. And he's like, I think it's the best thing I've ever been in. Like, and, and, and I think... I agree. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, I think I, I it's his agree. best movie. Yeah. So this is something that comes up for me, especially being a children's librarian, where whenever we are making something for children or for teens, it becomes infantilized. Because I think as mm-hmm. adults, there's this feeling that you have to disconnect from chi- quote unquote childish things or things from childhood and things that really brought you a lot of joy and really... It's so disrespectful of how we think of childhood. Like there there are definitely people who think of of younger humans as just children and they undercut them and they don't they're like oh that pish posh whatever. But when you think about it, I mean, it's one of the reasons why I love working in education because especially for younger kids, they can be so pure and unfettered. And I think as adults, that's actually really terrifying, right? As things get more complicated, we don't necessarily know how to tap back into that childlike wonder. And anyone who still embraces that is chagrined or looked down on. And really, like, how wonderful is it to be able to tap back into those emotions, to be able to say, even though the world is complicated and hard and scary, to still be able to hold on to feelings of wonder and joy and delight. Like that to me is fucking phenomenal. And it makes me so mad that we treat kids and young adults like shit, like, oh, just just wait until you're a little bit older. And it's like, they're not weighed down by all of our bullshit. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. and you think about like student activists and like all of this stuff. And I'm like, I fucking love it. Like it actually makes me happier and makes me love life more to be able to get Mm -hmm. back into those things and not just be like, I'm an adult and I have to be stodgy and serious. And that's Mm -hmm. like, that's why I'm so glad that this, that Paddington 2 was nominated for so many different awards because it is so intentional. And I know somebody's going to give me shit for this, but like when I look at set design and just with the pop-up and with some of the cutouts of the prison, which is also related to this, one of the most like beautiful things I love about children's literature, right? Like I love when books just do that cutaway and you can see the inside of books. I feel like this is on par with kind of stuff that Wes Anderson does because it is thought. It has a specific color theme. It knows exactly what it is. And that thread runs through the entire film. And just because Mm -hmm. it's for kids or it's a more, it's not this like super serious whatever thing, it's going to get set to the side. It's like this, again, this is a goddamn delight and it is visually amazing. Yeah, I mean, you guys. I mean, you guys were like, "Hmm, Paddington 2, When I first mentioned <laughs> it, so the, the little Very bit true. of moment yeah, there. It, it so, in, like, so it affects all of us because, because you, because I'm like, no, seriously, like this is an incredible film, and and when people have watched it, they're just like, oh, I had an idea of what it was supposed to be because 
I mean, even on this, we've watched some really shitty kid-centered film. Pippi Longstocking. <laughs> like, like, I forced you to watch that, but, like, I can see why people would say, like, what if, like, what the hell? Like, who cares? This is just not... But, like, when a film geared towards kids, but with adult sensibility, is is filmed in such a way that it it's visually appealing, the jokes are there for the adults, but also it's like, as you're saying, Ashley, like, make me feel like a kid again. Mm-hmm. And that is, like, I think this is why, why it, it's such a success. It's like they... They took their art very seriously in creating something so delightful and wonderful without it being schmaltzy or cheesy. Like, it threads Mm -hmm. a perfect needle. Like, it just, Mm -hmm. ugh. That's that's a good point. It didn't... It didn't feel pandering. It didn't feel like it was speaking down it to It didn't anybody. feel panda pandering. Ah. <laughs> uh, I'm not talking about seeing red. I'm talking about Paddington. Oh, oh my god, it's panda so bear. Okay, but, yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, it doesn't it doesn't talk down to the audience, which I like a lot, and it doesn't like amp up the cheese level, which it really it could if it wanted to, but it doesn't. Um and yeah, I mean like I always I I get like a little like you know, I don't, I, I'm not a kid. I don't have children. Why am I watching a children's movie that I didn't grow up with? But then I'm like, well, a good movie is a good movie. And mm-hmm. you watch movie for different reasons, you know, whether you want to escape, whether you want just a good story, whether you, how, how you want to feel. Um, so, you know, it's, that's something I should change in my own thinking. Well, and I think, Katie, this um, relates to as well as how, I feel like for broader society does not take horror very seriously necessarily as an art, but there is also so much social commentary with horror. Like when was the last time a horror movie won major awards? What was it like silence of the lambs? Right. And I feel like these two large genres, children's films, horror films get just kind of shunted aside when they shouldn't because good art is Mm -hmm. good art. And this is good art. So Nick and I actually just had a, not an argument, but like a conversation about this because he likes very serious, very, I I say, I'm like, you are a very pretentious person. You like, you know, very pretentious movies. Like we've been watching, I can't remember the writer's name, but it's, it's uh, the beach 28 days later. Um, I I can't remember his name. Yeah. Ex Machina. Yeah, whatever yeah. that guy is. Um, and I'm like, listen, I love watching these movies, but then you make fun of me for like enjoying movies that are like fun or just like not serious or not pretentious or just you know, I, film doesn't have to be a serious thing. Yeah. It can be, but you know, you can just use it to say something nice. I know. I think oh. I think we're so in this this world of um, you know, film and television where it has to be serious for it to make a statement yeah. about something or it has to be dark. And look, there is some value in that to a lot of things that are out there. But um, I feel like this film says so much about humanity yeah. um, and the hope for humanity that a lot of other things um, have tried and failed to do. Yeah. Um, it, it also, if we're on, on the subject of, of children-centered shows or, or media that are great for adults the new episodes of fraggle rock on apple tv are wonderful <laughs> and completely capture um the the spirit of of that original series from the 80s in a way that a lot of reboots haven't so you know if, if your listeners out there are looking for kind of similar tinged uh, media definitely check that out um because i mean 
we all know that I'm a fan of Jim Henson. So um, we should all be sending some views that way so they get to make more of those. And that's the thing, too, that really can bum me out sometimes when we think about, you know, getting certain art made is focused on, like, how many views are there? How many streams? What are the sales? But, like, you know... (laughs) It is hard to say no to a child. I don't know how many of you have been around children recently, and I know many of our listeners have children, right? And especially with kids, they'll get really into something, and they'll want to watch it again and again and again. I remember my brother's kids. They would find a book, and they would be obsessed with it. And I talk to my friends with kids, and they're like, oh, my God, if I have to read this book one more time. And so I really (laughs) try to pick books that I know are going to be great for kids, but also something that adults can hold up, like can hold on to. And again, I think we just underestimate the value of those markets, right? Or things that are kind of created. I mean, Graham, you know, Brandon and I have kind of, I love a good cheesy TV show, you know, things like that. There are just some like Absurd, ridiculous Disney things I've watched, but there are just fucking amazing, amazing pieces of art or films or just movies that are being made for kids. Like, I still haven't watched Encanto, but like, hello, that has impacted fucking so much, right? Like, you, I feel like I can't, you know, turn around without hearing somebody do their own rendition of, you know, We Don't Talk About Bruno or whatever the like proper name of that is because I still don't watch it. But you know what I mean? And like, when we had. Kyle on and just talking mm-hmm. about Pixar and how thoughtful it really mm-hmm. is. Because this is news now, um, and it's it's been it's been canceled. That it's terribly sad news that the new Babysitters Club was canceled. No, was are you fucking kidding me? That show um, is fucking awesome. So it's uh, it's kind of on par with this of like, I mean, I didn't read the books growing up. Brandon did, and we watched the series, and it was. Oh, Katie, did you watch any of it? No, I read the books. Katie, though. oh my god, it is it's so good! Really, really good, good TV. Um, and the fact that it was canceled is like complete bullshit. Um, and I feel like this is more just like unval or devaluing of young girls. Like it, Babysitters Club held the original feeling of those books, but also updated and modernized it. You know, like we've talked about yeah. with those books, like when they get reprintings and. You know, they saw a resurgence because Raina Telgemeier started to illustrate the graphic novel versions, but they're bringing in modern stories and handling it in really beautiful, intelligent ways. Like there's an entire episode of like one of the uh, plot lines is talking about babysitting a young trans girl and she keeps getting misgendered at the hospital because they had to bring her there because she had a um, a fever and how for a mm-hmm. young girl to stand up to doctors and correct them and say you know it's she you know and it's just it's so fucking empowering yeah. and it's like how yeah. are, how do we expect children and young adults to become these amazing human beings if we're going to treat them like this. It's like they deserve great fucking art. Yeah. I think there's a piece in Vulture uh, from the creator of, not that we're on a tangent of Babysitter's Club, but I think it's important for us to know that (laughs) for people who watch it, who talks about, like, the, 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 the issue of being on a streaming service that wants to get new subscribers... When the new subscribers are not necessarily like North American subscribers who know the property of Babysitter's Club, maybe they're international. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't playing as well for these phantom people that they were trying to get, whereas with the core audience, it was a huge deal. So 
Yeah, it's just like this kind of through line of the undervaluing of, of children's media when they actually have something big to say. Arthur, the Arthur TV show, ended on PBS yeah. um, after 25 years. And I, I watched some of Arthur just for, for fun because it was really good storytelling and really they did a lot of jokes for, for adults in there too. I watched the last episode. I got incredibly emotional because it brought me back to... You know, when I was, like, very young when the show began, um, and, and that's one of those rarities of a show that was, was on for so long that really kind of was part of the cultural zeitgeist and really brought people together. Um, but kind of seeing that show end and people on the internet really reacting emotionally about that as if it was, like, the end of something was, was kind of interesting That's a long time. Yeah. 25 years is long for any television yeah. property. Yeah. And I was going to say, speaking of, um, like undervaluing children's properties. So this is a sequel that is rated better than its original, right? Yeah. So when I think there, I mean, it's not exclusively children's, but when you think of sequels that do better than the originals or that are, are better than their originals, a lot of them, I think of kids movies. You're yeah. right. Like, like Toy Story 2. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Adam's Family Values. Oh, my God. Yes. Um, yes. So <laughs> leaps up. Not necessarily a kid's movie, but... <laughs> I watched it but, as a kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it yeah, plays yeah, to but, both but audiences. Absolutely, absolutely, Katie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Empire Strikes Back. Um, you, there's, I mean... It, because Star Wars are kids' movies. Yep. Adult men out there, they are kids' movies. <laughs> but, the, yeah, I mean, like, there's there's a lot of those that are are better... That are that are kids movies that are better sequels, because it's almost like they they have their audience and they know the audience ages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so they they age with them and introduce them to new concepts and new ideas. Her, the Harry because, Potter like, series, yeah, right, right, and that that series. I mean, we all know. Let's not talk about J.K. But like the the film. The film series got progressively darker, yep. and I remember like I was eighteen when the first movie came out, and then what. 28, 29 when the last one came out and it's, it became like, I was like, ooh, these are really dark now. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not like... Because like, <laughs> it grew and matured with them as they grew older. Right. Yeah. That's a good point, Katie, about better sequels with, with kids' films. Can you think of any others? Uh, I was trying to like... Google and uh, Google has some uh, recommendations that I don't agree with. Ooh, what are they? They said uh, The Incredibles two. Mm, yeah, I know. I like the like, first one. They said uh, what they say Spider Man two, which I also disagree with. No, but Into the um, Spider Verse is fucking amazing. Okay, Into the Spider Verse is amazing Into again, and and not a animated, second one, thus, yeah, but thus, thus thought to be more for children, right? Because it was animated. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. I mean, I I don't know if you talk about like Thor Ragnarok as a kids movie because the Marvel movies are like, yeah, uh, Rescuers Down Under. Oh my God, Rescuers Down Under. Better, yes, better, mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> yep, yep, that's absolutely better than than the original. But, but like not a hundred two also... Dalmatians, hundred one Dalmatians, still the good one. No, but this is also kind of blowing up because I watched a lot of, I watched a lot of cartoons. Um, and and there's a lot of great content out there. Uh, for for kids and adults that are especially on Disney, and I'm thinking specifically about Gravity Falls and a show called Amphibia. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, have you either of you heard of those? I've heard of Gravity yeah. Falls. Uh, I've not heard of Amphibia. So Amphibia is basically about this this young teenage girl and her girlfriends um, steal a box of like a magic box and they get transported to this world of frogs. 
and it's all about her navigating. They all get separated, and it, like the main girl is like navigating this this new life while also being a teenager. It's incredibly well done animation storytelling. It's it's only going to be three seasons. The last couple episodes are premiering. You need to watch it, especially like Kitty. I think it's in your wheelhouse, especially. Um, and actually you'd love it as well. Um, just great empowering, like female characters and great, like scary. Cause I, I think there are some things about with children's media. We have, we have to protect the kids. It's not like, not, not let them feel fear. And we talked about this earlier with Paddington. Like you thought he was going to drown. Mm-hmm. I did. And it was so terrible. And it's like bad things. And I, it's not, I also it's was like, not just that I, as the audience, thought he was going to drown. He, as the character, yeah, like made peace. And he with was that. about to say goodbye. Yeah, I'm literally going to start crying. crying. Like, that was the yeah. thing that made it different because anytime you've seen a, a children's character like in threat of death, like they don't, they don't acknowledge that their death is there and accept it. And that was the thing I was like, oh god. And they cut away, Katie. They cut away yeah. from the death, and it's like, oh, we're about to see this this adorable bear. I know, die. you know. <laughs> like- but I think that it also speaks to again with children's films um, and with like horror. There are ways that you can touch on these deeper fi- deeper themes and commentaries without it feeling too on the nose or like mm-hmm. anything that was made for adults and made in a realistic world would have been like, okay, it's a little heavy handed. But there are ways in children's or in horror to be able to have that commentary and get to that deep thing while also entertaining you with something else, right? Like, Mm. okay, I'm going to bring up another children's film where, like, I'm legitimately going to start crying. When I watched Inside Out, and as a kid who had a lot of emotions... We saw it together. Right? I've never seen it. Oh, my God, Katie. Oh, my God, Katie. (laughs) So we saw... I... We'll watch it at Ashley's bedroom. We definitely are going to because I'm going to start sobbing. I was out in Boston visiting Graham. It's about a young girl from Minnesota who moves to San Francisco, right? And that I was know, when you were I moving. I was about to move to San Francisco. Oh right? Yeah, yeah. And I won't spoil it for anyone, but for anyone who has seen it, the impact of the scene with Bing Bong and what happened, I was silently sobbing next to Graham. And like, I... I purposely, like, there were a bunch of kids in the theater, and I did not want to start sobbing, like, really loud because I didn't want to scare any of these kids. But, like, the connection for what happened in that scene and the way that it connected with me and the emotions that I had felt and the loss that I felt through that, oh, my Mm. God. Just the layers uh, on which it can touch for mm -hmm. children and adults. It's, It's phenomenal. You touched upon a great thing, Ashley, where I, I can't remember the last time a film for adults made me feel something so intense, mm-hmm. like as you're talking about. It always is stuff about that's kind of like geared more towards kids. Mm. Like I wept at the end of Turning Red. Um, and then I wept at the end of this, even though I know what happens. I'm just like, oh, my God, like you capture like so many emotions that I think... We as adults, as you talked about earlier, push away. Um, and that's why I don't get those kinds of emotions from, from more adult films. I can't remember the last time I cried at like a film that was for, for adults, honestly. I do if it's something that's like personally triggering for me. Yeah. But I think you're right. It's, it's, kids' movies are 
and I, you know, I, I'm sure that they're crafted to to connect with these yeah. universal things that everybody has. You know, whether it's the the wanting to to please a parent or wanting to do something nice for yeah. someone, or you know, it was just lovely. I was recently reading about you know, like what are the types of stories that endure or really touch on us, and it is with many stories, it's the specificity that relates to universal themes, right? So even if you are not, like, you not haven't necessarily experienced that, you can still connect with the emotion that is evoked. Um, and what makes me mad is, like, I haven't, you know, I haven't seen Turning Red yet, and there's definitely a lot of misogyny and racism around people being like, oh, whatever. But there are such specific themes. I don't I just, I can't... I can't move beyond the fact that like we disregard how much kids feel. And there are so many times we're like, well, let's shield kids from that. Like with Disney, there was always some form of like a dead parent. Like our like even as a kid, you experience very serious things and your emotions do jump around to a lot of different places. And yep. it's as if we say, like, well, as an, an adult has control under those things. An adult is this. And, like, I see as myself oh my the ways in which I have tried to control my emotions or tamp them down. And not to a point – I mean, there is a there is a balance between letting my emotions completely run everything and not mm-hmm. being able to come around and have a healthy experience. But to say that being an adult means you have to let go of – that joy or feeling things deeply, which is really how we connect with other human beings and have sympathy mm. and empathy and make the world a better place. That makes me so sad that that's what so, society has said adulthood is when yeah. we can still really care deeply about each other. I mean, you're talking about the themes of turning red, basically. And, and, and I mean, to your point, actually, I'm, I'm not a young girl who's going through a change, <laughs> but I was so... Like emotionally affected by, by that movie. Um, I'm not a young girl. <laughs> but no, I mean, like it's your point. It's like I don't have to, and that's and the 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 racist and misogynist uh, reviews about it. Like, well, I can't connect. I'm like, you could connect to a movie about like talking cars, but you can't connect to like a human girl like going through like a, a change in her life. Yeah. So that and like so. bringing it back to Paddington, like. You know, he he would often quote what his Aunt Lucy would say, right? And I see her as an adult who, like, she literally, at the beginning of this film, is like, give me the rope, lower me down. Like, she wants to save this young cub and decides, like, hey, we're not going to London because we are going to help raise this cub. And, like, the one, there were two quotes that kept happening, and I kept... I forgot to write them down, but one that's on IMDb is that if we're kind and polite, the world will be all right. And I think there's a difference between being kind and being nice. I think niceness glosses over and doesn't do conflict, but kind is really loving and standing up for each other. And you notice that that is what Paddington brings into everything. It's it's not like he's not recognizing that there aren't hard things in the world, but it's also being able to tap into the things like the humanity in each of us and what makes us connected versus disconnected. He took that prison from a very hardened place. And of course, this is all idealized but connected to like the humanity of Knuckles. And you see that Knuckles was really just an adult who was became this scary, 
angry person because he was afraid of what people thought and he thought people wouldn't like it or anything else. And how many of us as adults do that or hide things away because we're worried about other people's responses, which is such like a child and like young adult thing to feel. I also like how Paddington um, gets angry at one point in the movie. Yeah. Too. And like, he's like, it's okay to show that I'm angry. Yes. Yeah. And he, he, all he, all he does is like show a hard stare. And I, like, for a while I was like, what's he going to do to this cook? You know? <laughs> I'm like, oh, he is a bear. He's a he's wild animal. And, you know, and then it's like, oh, it's okay. I'm, I'm going to show you that I'm mad. You hurt my feelings. Yes. Yeah. He and expressed he went, boundaries. He Yes. And it is okay. And we should like, that's the other thing too. I feel like so often we violate boundaries and consent with kids because we're like, we're in charge of you. And it's like, that's actually not, that's not how we should be doing. And that's not super empowering. And we should say like, Hey, that's not okay. You know, and it's okay for kids to say that to each other. And it's really okay for kids to say that to adults when they really are violating that consent or that healthy boundary with a kid and not just do what I say because you're an adult. Before we wrap, I'd be remiss uh, to not praise the voice acting by Ben Wishaw. Oh my gosh, as Paddington! He uh, is is he has the absolute perfect voice for this character, um, and he was actually not originally the voice in the first movie. Oh. It's Colin Firth, I believe, mm-hmm. and he was brought in later. And I just think he he is wonderful. Um, so just want to give a huge shout out to him. He just, I, I saw he was Q in the new in the in yeah. the James Bond movies. He's also gay, so hello. Good for him. Good gay. <laughs> <laughs> so Paddington is technically gay. Um, awesome. So, I was gonna also, say something this- about queering Paddington, and I was like, wait, but is Paddington already queer? And I'm just having this like hetero lens on everything. <laughs> <laughs> But also Imelda Staunton um, plays Aunt Lucy. Too, <gasps> yes. And I think she's I she's wonderful. Um, and also this the story of this does continue in a delightful Nickelodeon animated series um, called The Adventures of Paddington. Just a quick note on on um, Michael Bond, the 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 author, he actually passed away the final day of production of this oh, movie. Oh, gosh. And so the film is dedicated to him. Okay. As well it should be, um, even if he has As well passed. it should. Um, well, would you, um, let's ask the question. Would you watch this film again? Oh, fuck yes. Of course I'm going to watch this film again. (laughs) You should go back and watch the first one. I actually, I really do want to go watch the first one. And then I'm reading some of the, you know, some of the trivia and just wanting to go back to it. And honestly, this film makes me want to just look at more pop-up books, um, and mm. I have a copy of I, years ago, like over 10 years ago, I bought a copy of um, The Little Prince and it was a pop up version and I've still never read it. It's still upstairs, but it makes me want to get back into that. Yeah, it it's seeing Paddington 2 and the way that it was so thoughtfully and artfully created makes me want to seek out more films like this, whether they're for children or adults, because I want to see the artistry and the craft and be reminded of folks who dedicate themselves to their art and creating that mm-hmm. art for us to experience. Nice. I don't know if I would watch it again. Um, Friendship um, over. Um, <laughs> okay, well, this has been great. This Let me finish. Episode. Oh my God. Uh, I, don't, I don't think Thank I would you. just like pop it on. Like, you know, it. I, well, I do like movies that make you feel nice. It's not usually the 
ones that I watch. Um, yeah, we know. Yeah, horror yeah. makes you feel nice. That's what it's you would not even on. Just, it's not even just horror. I like, you know, I don't, I, I would want to show it to, to the children in my life, but um, I don't, I don't see myself like, oh, I've got some extra time on a Sunday afternoon. I'm going to watch Paddington 2. Like, I don't see myself doing that. Yeah. So it's not like I wouldn't watch it again. It's just I don't see myself actively seeking out to watch it. So I actually have a little minute, mini, let me introduce you. Mini, let, let me introduce, let introduce you. Yes. So, Katie, you didn't already, burp this time. I'm so proud of you, Graham. I did not burp. Good job. I did that well before we recorded today. <laughs> so, Katie, I actually have already kind of shown this to you via text earlier, but we all know Wordle. Yes. We all know Hurdle, all those games, world, like, you know, da- world, Wordle. The, there is a, um, a box office specific daily quiz game that is now my go to game that I play right when I wake up in the morning <laughs> and it's just called box office game and you can google it we can link it uh in, on instagram but basically for all you box office uh freaks out there like me it is a daily game where you get a random weekend and you get one through five and the top five of the box office that weekend and all you get initially are the amount of money that those spots made that weekend and to earn points, you can either guess what the movies are, uh, but if you need clues, you can click into each individual place and you can lose points based on like, okay, I want to know you know, who the director is. And if you pick a director, you lose 50 points out of the 200. Um, and like the biggest one is like if you get the plot summary for 180 points, so you only get 20 points if you guess correctly. Um, I would like to say that this past week, July 1st, 1994, I got a perfect 1,200 score. Of course you did. <laughs> oh my gosh. Where the top five was. Yes. Yeah. I did not even need. Yeah, I want to know what these are. I wrote, I was like the Lion King. Um, the Shadow. I Love Trouble. With Julia Roberts and the uh, Blown Away was another one of them, and Speed was also in oh the top God. five. I got. I have Brandon playing it too. Um, so it seems like it's uh, the the weekends are very random. There was one weekend of like August 1982 that I just go, well, ET's probably in there somewhere. I was right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but for all you people who are obsessed with data and box office, it's super fun. So I, I can't recommend it enough. Um, and it's I think it updates every night around like 2 a.m. So, hey, you can have a countdown clock every day. That's amazing. Um, but it's super fun. And I encourage all of y'all to try it out. Because uh, there's so many of these fun like daily games now. I love it. I love that there's a game so specifically made to your yeah. interests. Yeah. 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 So it seems like it was an offshoot or I think on the website it says from an idea from um, the podcast. Um, shit. Let me introduce you. Yeah. They were like so <laughs> into our pod and your skills. So it's it's on the website. It says it's inspired from the the. the the podcast called Blank Check with Griffin oh, okay. and David. Um, so at the end of every episode, they they do the box office game where the, the guest, not one of the hosts, like quizzes the other guy and what the top five is of the weekend. So um, check it out. Love it. My favorite thing ever. Awesome. <laughs> but now 
we're going to transition to something uh, for next for next episode. We're going to do something um, very different, obviously, because it's Graham to Katie. <laughs> um, so, Katie, what treasure are you going to be introducing? Yes. Yeah, so, to? I if if you were looking for something, you know, heartwarming and beautifully shot, and oh, you know, yes. that is that is not this. I love this movie, but it is not that. So, uh, I will be taking you. This 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 movie is a one probably no awards. It is not on any list of like sequels that are better than the original, but I hold it in a close place to my heart. We will be watching 1970s Beneath the Planet of the Apes. This is my first Apes movie what? besides like the one with Mark Wahlberg. All right, so you should probably watch the first one. I think it's my okay. first too. I don't think I've seen any of the Planet of the Apes. Oh god! All right. Well, you both need I've to watch. I definitely episode. watched the Simpsons episode that parodies Planet of the Apes a lot. Yes, Doctor Zayas, Doctor Zayas, Doctor Zayas, Doctor Zayas. Oh, Doctor Zayas. Yeah. So yes, uh, while you could you could watch, you know, listeners out there, you could watch Beneath the Planet of the Apes without seeing the first one because there is a lot of similarities. Um, I would highly suggest watching the first one because it is. It is such such a good movie, um, but this this encapsulates a lot of like special effects that I like and like feel, like I love these types of like sci-fi movies from this era and so I'm just I'm excited for you guys to watch it. You're both probably gonna hate it, but I don't care. So um, so yes, I'm excited because you're excited. Yes, it, it, it's also not the best sequel in the original five movie, Planet of the Apes. It's probably Escape from Planet of the Apes is the best one, but we can we can go into that when we talk oh, about that oh. in, in a few weeks. Is this the one immediately after Planet of the yes, Apes? Yes, this is the okay, second movie. It's truly number two. It truly is it's a truly sequel a sensation. Sequel. Yeah, I did. I could have picked Escape, but um, I was like, no, nah, I'm gonna do Beneath because I think okay. I think that one gets a bum rap sometimes, and I'm like, no, nah, I like this one. Cool, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. No, so it, is, it is not. <laughs> so much better than the first one. Well, thank you all so much. Um, I hope you all have a great day. Make sure you make some tea and a marmalade sandwich. Sandwich. Crustless. A marmalade sandwich. <laughs> they didn't believe your British accent was real. I don't wow, understand I'm it. shocked. Shocked, I can tell you. <laughs> uh, but see you all next time. Bye. Bye, 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 bye. bye. Let Me Introduce You is a podcast hosted by Graham Veth, Katie Kubert, and Ashley Crone. Music by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. Make sure to follow the Let Me Introduce You podcast on Instagram at Let Me Intro You Pod and on Twitter at Let Me Intro You.